Mark chapter number 5. Let's read together, beginning in verse number 1. And they, Jesus and the disciples, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. And because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion setting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Well, that's an important part, point of this message today. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. As I read this passage the other day, it occurred to me how much of me I see in this story. Now, I don't mean by that that I don't just mean the me before I met Jesus, but I'm talking about the me that is me today. And as I look at this, it made me think that there is only one thing between me, that is who I am today, and the wild man, that is who I used to be, and that one thing between me and the wild man is the grace of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'll tell you, Christian, you ought not to forget that. We ever not ever get in the place where we forget who we were and where God found us and where he's brought us from and that if it were not for the grace of God, we'd be in the same mess today that we were then. Many of you are familiar with the story, I'm sure, by Robert Louis Stevenson, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And uh, Dr. Jekyll is conducting an experiment in this story that goes awry. The, this respectable scientist, uh, he has this belief that, uh, or this theory that all people have both a good side and a bad side. And he believes that he can set out to prove that. He comes up with a formula uh, that will help him to separate the bad from the good. Hence the Dr. Jekyll being the good and the Mr. Hyde being the bad. And he takes the potion and sure enough, it changes him, and what was Dr. Jekyll becomes Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde, Mr. Edward Hyde is a vile man. He does some terrible things. He hurts others and hurts himself. Uh, his idea seemed to be, Dr. Jekyll, his idea seemed to be that he could release the bad side 
And when the bad side did bad things, that it was all the bad side and not the good Dr. Jekyll, therefore he would have no guilt for it, therefore he would have no responsibility for it, and uh, he could then drink the potion, turn back to the good man at, at any time that he wanted to. But the consequences got out of control. And uh, if you know the story, Dr. Jekyll thought he could rely on the potion to control that wild side, to keep him from going too far, to cover up the guilt of what Mr. Hyde done, but he was wrong. And I want you to know this morning, we often talk about how that the old man is dead. We sing a song about how the old man is dead, uh, but how many of you know this morning that there's a sense which that is true, but there's also a sense in which that is not true. Paul said in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin and yet how many of us know that the old man, the old woman though he is condemned to die he still struggles and fights to get back on top in your life you see Paul also wrote this in Romans chapter 7 verses 18 and 24 for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, uh, not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Hey, though the old man is crucified with Christ, I want you to know that he is still uh, working his mischievousness down on the inside of your heart and your mind. Paul says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I got to tell you, old Mr. Stevenson's novel, Dr. Jekyll finally came to the place where he felt the same way. Now I want you to know, there is nothing you can do and nothing I can do. There's no power within us to control that old man, that wild man. But thank God there is something that stands between me and him. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul came to the same conclusion in reading the story of the wild man, which is really the story of every man and every woman here today. There's one answer to the body of death. There's but one victory to the evil that is present with me. Uh, there's no potion, there's no religion, there's no medicine. Uh, but Paul writes it in verse 25, uh, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the answer. Only one thing that stands between the new man I have become and the wild man I was, and that is the grace of Jesus Christ. When you read the story of the wild man this morning, let's be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but I would imagine every one of us who's ever read it with a spirit of, of, of wanting to receive and learn, we look at it we say, boy, I tell you what, there's still a touch of that in me. There's still a part of me that's drawn back to some of that stuff uh, that Jesus brought me out of. Uh, and boy, to realize this morning that if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be right back in it, up to our eyeballs, drowning in sin. 
I'm glad for the grace of God this morning. Uh, out of 159 verses of the Bible that mention grace, uh, 122 of them are found in the New Testament. And 121 of those are found from the book of John on to the book of Revelation. Uh, and all these verses tell the story of the grace that is found uh, in Christ Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness who in eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. This Gadarene man was doomed to a life of misery and an eternity of torment. Ah, but for grace. That's my story this morning. That's your story this morning. Jesus didn't have to come to where he was. Jesus didn't have to deliver him from the demons, but for grace. It was John Bradford, the reformer of the 1500s, who famously said as he watched prisoners being marched off to the execution, he said, there but for the grace of God goes John Bradford because he realized that if it weren't for grace, he too would be condemned, and rightly so. I want you to know this morning, friends, it's by the grace of God that you're saved. It's by the grace of God that if you're here this morning and you haven't been saved, it's by His grace that you're still living and breathing and having the opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior before this day is done. Paul understood it too, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Brother Corey's been playing a song on the radio broadcast that Kenny Baldwin recorded on his CD. The title of it is, Were It Not For Grace. Boy, that chorus says, Were It Not For Grace, I can tell you where I'd be. Wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me. I know how that would go, the battles I would face, forever running, losing the race, were it not for grace. You can shout to victory this morning because of the grace of God. Friends, we may never come to the place, or may, I should say, may we never come to the place of thinking that we have it all together or that we've mastered sainthood. <laughs> There's a, but a bad choice. There's but a weak moment in temptation between where you sit now and the wild man coming out again. You better lean on the grace of God. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Boy, it's all by grace. Listen, I know I'm saved. I know I've been changed. But I also know that this old body of death that Paul spoke of wants to rise up and take control. And I need the grace of Christ in my life. He said in 1 Corinthians 16 and 23, his prayer for the church was that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In Acts 15 and verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Now I want you to see this morning three ways the grace of Jesus Christ stands between the wild man and me. Three ways it happened on the day that Jesus met this man or this man met Jesus. But I'm going to tell you it happens and continues to happen 
in our say, preacher, are you preaching that you can lose your salvation? Exactly the opposite. I'm telling you, it's all by grace. But I do want you to understand this this morning. If you don't rely on the grace of Christ, that old wild man will rise up in you and you'll find yourself doing things you thought you'd never do again. You better trust in the grace of Jesus. There's three types of grace, or three ways I should say that grace stands between the wild man and me. Number one is the saving grace of Jesus. In verse 1, they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. In verse 8, he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. What an encounter this man had with Jesus. In verses 2 through 5, you see the picture of a very dark life. The Bible said he had an unclean spirit. He was not pure. He was not cleansed. It's that word where we get our word catheter from. It means that he was blocked on the inside. There were impurities that were filling his heart and his mind that were keeping him from living a clean life. I want to tell you this morning, a lot of impurities build up in the hearts of men and women. Lust and anger and jealousy or envy, unforgiveness, these things can build up in the heart of a man or a woman. Here was a dead man walking, living in the graveyard, unbound and unreasonable. He was restless. He was tortured. He was prone to hurting himself and hurting others. And you know people like that. They're living out there in sin apart from God. Uh, and man, sin controls their life and their wild living. Uh, and they live to please themselves and to satisfy themselves. Uh, and they hurt others around them. And they hurt themselves. And nobody can tell them any different. They're going to do what they want to do. Uh, they're going to live the rebel life because uh, nobody can bound them. Uh, I want you to know this morning there's folks like that. Uh, that one time sitting here, that was you. Uh, and you were living out there in the world like that. Uh, but for the grace of God, you'd be there today. All of grace is my story all the way from earth to glory. And this is where this man was. We all know people like the Jekyll and Hyde concept. They could be drunkards who work hard by day and drink hard by night. People involved in pornography. They seem to be right and clean on the outside, but secretly they seek out unclean things. Men or women who seem so nice and so gentle in public, but at home they're abusive and cruel. We know about folks like that. We all have met them. But then comes verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, aren't you glad for the day that you saw the Lord? Amen. When he saw... Hey, the wild man is about to become a new man. Friend, the man or the woman who's lost in darkness, they're bound by no one, but they are bound by sin. The answer isn't another pill. It isn't a therapy group. It isn't a self-help book. Uh, there's but one answer for the wild man. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A believer may well struggle with symptoms of the wild man. But thank God a believer has something to fight with and someone to fight for him. Once you've been born again, 
You see, there are Christians who have been redeemed, they've been forgiven, but they have struggles and they may find uh, that support in therapy or groups or some books uh, may help them. But the answer still is the same. Ephesians chapter 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation, uh, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, uh, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, uh, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, you ever been put off by somebody? Y'all are a room full of nice people. You'd never do it to anybody. But I bet folks have put you off before. That's what he's saying right there. He's saying you got to put off the old man. Man, every time the old man starts talking to you, every time the wild man starts trying to raise up in your life, he said put him off. Don't even answer the phone or hang up on him or something and put on the new man. You know what you got to do when the old man starts knocking? You better find a place to go praying and make sure the new man is in control. There's only one cure for the wild man. Only one power to keep him dying and out of the driver's seat. That's the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Keep coming back to Jesus. Keep looking to the Lord. Keep renewing your mind in the word of God and in prayer. Stay faithful to the house of God and worship. Draw nearer to the Lord, not further away. Verse number 8 said, For he said unto him, The word of Christ. What power? Boy, we need that. We can't be saved apart from it. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We need the word of Christ in our life. I'm going to tell you this morning, we can't live successfully without abiding in it. Jesus said in John 15, except you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's what we must do. But I want to say this morning, not only is there saving grace, boy, there needs to be that time in your life where you meet Jesus Christ and you trust Him as Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never had that saving grace brought into your life, you can go no further. But what about us who have been saved and the old man, that wild man, just keeps on wanting to pop back up? Not only is there saving grace, but the victory in living comes by the sustaining grace of Jesus. In verse number 10, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And those unclean spirits came out of that man, went into those hogs, went down into the sea, and all of them choked in the, in the seawater that day. Jesus not only saved this man, but he dealt with the thing that was plaguing him. Now I want you to know this morning that Jesus is the one and the grace of Jesus Christ is the one that will help you deal with that thing that is plaguing you in your life. It's worth pointing out something that happens here which we, we can believe God allowed to happen in order to teach us something important about the power of sin and darkness. See, verse 7 through 9, that interesting exchange that happens. Jesus comes up to him and and the man, or the man really runs to Jesus and falls down at his feet and cries with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, thou Jesus? Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And Jesus commands, he says, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And what happens? Verse number 9, The demons leapt right out and never came back. Is that what it said? Verse 9, look what happened. The demons talked back. 
They said, what is thy name? Or, or he says, what is thy name? And he answers, hey, my name is Legion, for we are many. In other words, Jesus says, come out of him. And they didn't come out right away. Have you ever paid attention to that? Now, you and I both know that the God of glory, if he says it, if he commands it, it's going to happen. But for some reason, those demons didn't immediately leave that day. Jesus had to come back and say, what is your name? And they answered, legion, for we are many. And then there's this exchange happens before they are ever cast out. Now, what is that all about? I know and you know that Jesus could have dealt with them, I'd tell you, with a thought. But with a spoken word, he could have dealt with them just like that. But what happened? You remember the time when Jesus heals the man of blindness and the first thing that happens, the man looks around and he says, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus had to touch him again. And again. What was that all about? Sometimes things are, happened in the life of Jesus to help us understand some things about our life. There was a struggle going on in that man's heart. Jesus commanded them to come out, but those demons fought back. That sin, and I want you to understand something that I believe the Bible tells us the story this way so you and I can take some encouragement knowing we're not the only ones that have had to battle some things in our life. There are some things that will come after you and plague you and you've tried to deal with them and you're wanting the victory and it seems like they're there. And I believe this. I've read it and I've heard it talked about many places and times that most people are going to have two or three things that they'll battle their entire Christian life. Something probably that happens when we're younger, some experience that we have, and it kind of latches into our sort of uh, DNA of the soul, so to speak, and we just have to battle. But you got to keep battling, and you got to keep battling, and you got to rely on the sustaining grace of Jesus. Eventually the victory came. And those demons had to flee. What I'm saying is this. We should all be careful about becoming spiritually arrogant. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We hear of someone struggling with sin. Somebody messes up. Somebody's marriage fails. Somebody's ministry collapses. Beware of looking down on them. And again, remember, but for the grace of God, there go I. Now, no Christian has to fail. We don't have to fail. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't have to sin again the rest of my life because there's enough power in the risen Savior inside of me that I don't have to. But I'm going to let you in on something you already know. I'm probably going to. Because He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And I ought to never get to the place where I think that I'm better than anybody else that I can handle what other people can't handle? I'm going to tell you who can handle it. <laughs> it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when I'm leaning on Him and resting in His sustaining grace, I can make it. But beware of thinking we've got it all together. Thank God Jude, uh, verse 24, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I, I want to say this morning I'm so thankful uh, that for all the mistakes I've made and all the mistakes I will make, there'll come a day when He'll present me faultless before the throne. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. I praise God today that no believer has to keep themselves saved. I have no fear of death. 
because the victory is securing Christ. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, I passed about 22 years ago from death into life, and there's nothing in the Bible that ever warns me about crossing back over to death. Amen. <laughs> We don't have to keep ourselves saved, but I'll tell you, we need to lean on the sustaining grace of Jesus to keep molding us and making us into what we ought to be for Him. Jesus commands the unclean spirits. He sent them out and He keeps them out. If you go pilfering around in the unclean again, friend, you're just surrendering victory. That's a choice you make and I make. We don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. You have the power to live holy and to live clean, to live as a new man or a new woman. There's saving grace. There's sustaining grace. Let me give you this one. There's also serving grace. I want to tell you this is a powerful truth in this passage. And I believe, I believe there's a lot of Christians that maybe have got somewhere into that sustaining grace. They, they're looking to the Lord to help them and they're, they're trying to survive and keep their head above water. But they haven't understood this thing of serving grace. Boy, here's something you need to get today. In the last part of it, verse 18 and 20. Notice what happened again. When he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. <laughs> you ever been saved, you know exactly what that means. Well, there's a time in your life where God lifted you out and made you a new man, a new woman in Christ, and the old man was done away with. And for a while, all you could hear was the glory bells ringing, experiencing the joys of new life in Christ. And all you wanted to do was be wherever God was. You couldn't wait to get to church. You couldn't wait to read a Bible. You didn't even know how to pronounce thee and thou, but you couldn't wait to read the Bible. You love good Christian music. And I'm talking about some deep Christian music that touched your soul and lit you up to know this is what God did for me. But by and by, life happens. The world begins to smack you around. You deal with things like cancer and death and bills and rebellious teenagers and something happened. And now all you're doing is just trying to survive. Man, if I can just get to church... Maybe I can get a little more to help me make it through. Used to be you was walking with the Lord hand in hand. You was getting by. We still need church. But you was getting by pretty good day in and day out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Something happened. This man wanted to be where Jesus was. He had a grace in his life. Now notice verse 19. How be it Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Hey, y'all remember the Wednesday night Bible study I told you? The majority of the disciples, that's what Jesus had them do. They just went back home and lived for Christ. He took 12 to travel with him, but most of them just went back and lived for Jesus in their home, their community, on the job, just like you do every day. He said, go home and tell thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee and have had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish and to capitalize how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This old boy got his marching orders. Go home and share Jesus with others. He was given a work to do. And, and, and that was not only a privilege. 
I want you to understand that when it comes to keeping the wild man under, this serving grace is a necessity. The reason some folks are sitting in the house of God today and overcome with these battles in their life and struggling and feeling defeated and discouraged in their spiritual life is because they're not serving the Lord. You're saved. The grace of God is keeping you. But you're weak because you're not serving. Over in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells the story. He says, When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now Jesus was making a point here about the nation of Israel. He was helping them to understand that they they could get right with God, but if it was just outward and they didn't fix the heart, they didn't fix the inside, that they were just bound to be back in bigger trouble later on. But the illustration makes a key point. Religion is worthless. And just trying to do better or just quitting something, self-will, in other words, is not sufficient to get rid of the unclean and to keep it going. There is a rule at work here that I don't know if this is a proper name for it, but I would call it the law of replacement. You see, when you kick out something bad, something weak, something controlling in your life, you need to replace it with something good. Addicts of every kind have to learn this law or they'll never get over the thing they're addicted to. It's not enough to just quit the bad. You need to replace the bad with something good in your life. Don't leave an empty space because the bad will eventually come back and come back with power. One reason many Christians stay down and discouraged today in their spiritual life is that after they were saved, they failed to do what this Gadarene man did. They were made free from sin and death, but they didn't surrender their life to serve Christ. And now they're in a bad way. Christians are fighting the wrong battles day in and day out because they never got in on the right battle. Having to deal with stuff and struggle with stuff that they shouldn't have to because they never yielded their whole self to obey and follow Jesus. Here's a man who said, Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I want to go with you. I want to be with you. I want to serve you the rest of my life. As a man who got right and was thankful for it, and he didn't want to ever look back again. You know, some of the most misunderstood but passionate Christians you'll ever come across are those who were like this wild man. They were living in sin up to, well, some of us couldn't even imagine. And God saved them out of it. They're oftentimes considered to be crazy folk. But I think about the words of that song. If you'd have known me before I knew Jesus, then you'd understand why I love Him. Thank God for those who have a testimony of getting saved early in life, never getting out in that stuff. That is the most precious, the most priceless testimony you can have. But don't ever discount those ones that did get out there in it. They may be a little weird, (laughs) but they're weird for Jesus. 
because they know where he brought them from. I wonder this morning, how are you really serving the Lord today? It's a part of this. It's an essential part of the grace of God, that grace to serve. In what areas this morning of your life are you constantly oppressed? It can be physical, physical addictions, physical ailments that are beating you down. It could be emotional, depression, sadness, distrust. It could be spiritual, powerless, prayerlessness in your life. You're just down and discouraged. And I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus can deliver you from those things? Would you like to do like this Gadarene man and just come and present yourself before him today? You do realize that was the first thing that had to happen. Well, the first thing was Jesus came, amen? I got good news for you. Jesus came, and he's still here, and the offer still stands, and the cross is still the victory, and the blood still washes sin away. And after Jesus came, the first thing that had to happen was this man came and presented himself to Jesus. He wasn't even in his right mind. Probably part of it didn't even know what he was doing, but there's a part of him that recognized, I need something that that man's got. And he presented himself to the Lord. I wonder this morning, do you need to come and present yourself to Christ? Maybe there's something you're struggling with and battling in your life. You know, things ended badly for Dr. Henry Jekyll in the story because he thought he could control it. He couldn't. And you know, in real life, life is filled with stories just like that. People come to bad and unhappy endings because of the wild man. Things ended really good for the Gadarene man. Well, that's a whole other message, but the Bible tells us in verse 15 some wonderful things. He was possessed, but no more. Now you see him at peace. The Bible said he was sitting. This is the man that ran and screamed and cried day and night from the mountains to the tombs where he lived. This man had no peace, but now he's sitting where he had so long been tormented. He's in purity. The Bible says that he's clothed. This is a man who had lived in a sensual life, an impure life, given uh, to the things of wickedness and sinfulness. And now he's clothed. He's pure. He's covered in more ways than one. This is a man who's now protected. The Bible says he's in his right mind after he'd lived so long in harm's way. You see, this is what Christ came to do. He came to do more than just forgive you and get you to heaven. Thank God for that. Because we needed that. We needed to be redeemed. We needed to be forgiven. But Jesus came to make us whole. And there are believers today that are still battling with some things because they've not brought it to Christ. You need to surrender that to Him today and trust in the power of a risen Savior who can not only redeem but can heal you and make you whole. For what is new life? if it's not abundant life. 